in all industries and in all businesses and all services, there is a point where most companies become toxic. It could be the ownership. It could be the management. It could be the team that you work on. So what do you do? Where do you go? And what do you do if you are on a toxic team and you want to leave? How do you prep for that? Every single message you deliver is really a sales call. Either you are selling or being sold. Salespeople love to brag about their skills. And the truth is, your success in closing sales depends on your skills, your abilities, and finding the right training. And the great news is, you have come to the right place here at The How to Sell Show with your hosts, Dale Bell and Scott Sylvanbell. And be sure to join the party at howtosell.live and download your copy of The 10 Common Mistakes Salespeople Make. Aloha from Sacramento, California today. Today's a fantastic day. I'm coming to you live from the How to Sell Show studios on episode number 192, Five Signs of a Toxic Sales Environment. Now, occasionally people will reach out to me, uh, phone calls, text, emails, social media, and say, hey, can you do an episode or content based around this topic? Because I think, I think I'm going crazy. I think that there's something going on in my organization and I want to know about it. Or I'm struggling with this skill and I want to get some help with it. Or I want to see what you have to say about this strategy, this idea or belief. So today's episode was brought to me by somebody who said, I think I'm going crazy. Would you enlighten me on some signs of a toxic sales environment? And for sake of uh, personal information, I'm going to leave the name of this individual out. Okay. And, and for you, I want you to know I'm not typically a negative person. Like I'm a super positive person, but there's sometimes things that need to be talked about that not everybody wants to talk about. And in the world of sales, there are toxic work environments, not just for you as a salesperson, but as for a whole team, for a whole organization. And it's unfortunate because, you know, at the end of the day, it's tough enough to, to do your job, to do your work. And now you got, you know, people playing games with you. And there is a point where all companies have toxic issues. And, you know, the company could have been great before and then things change, things change. And you you can go down the spectrum. Sometimes it's a slow change. Sometimes it's an intermediate change. And then sometimes it's super fast and it's overnight. But no matter what happens, there's always the feel of like, what in the heck just happened? I don't get it. Like things were good before and we're, how did, oh my goodness, how did we get here? And I want to give you like four scenarios that are going to trigger the five signs of a toxic sales environment. So these aren't the the signs of the, the environment, but these are the things that typically trigger trigger it. Okay. So um, profits were weak previous years before. So you got to you got to understand that a business's job is to make money. That's that's it. Business's job to make money. We've added a whole bunch of stuff to it, and you know I'm not going to go into like the whole social thing. But at the end of the day, a, a, a company's job is to make money, and so because of that, an old manager is fired. The old manager, and I don't mean in age, I mean in tenure. Like the, the manager could have worked there for three to five years, which is the average, especially for an ops manager, okay? So because profits were weak previous years or a year before, manager gets fired. The company could be prepped to being sold. Like, you know, private equity is coming in and buying a ton of things right now. There's trillions of dollars sitting on the sidelines as of today, probably in the future as well. And bad professional advice, there's a lot of that too. Just so you know, there there are some knuckleheads in business. 
So uh, to, to give you some definitions, when I say management, it could be managers, owners, or new owners. So it's just easier to say managers in this situation, but like you can interchange any one of those three. And here's what's going to happen. These five things are pretty common from talking with friends in different industries and uh, somewhat of personal experience. So the first thing is management or ownership is abusive to employees. You know, you could be in an abusive relationship personally, and you can be in an abusive relationship professionally. And there are managers sometimes that treat employees like it's a frat house or a sorority house. And there's definitely some hazing that goes on and employees are treated poorly. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of laws against it. But, you know, sometimes people turn a blind eye. They just pretend like it never happened. Management plays games to get people to purposely quit instead of doing the adult thing and saying, hey, you know what? It's time to break off this relationship. And so salespeople get caught like, hey, it's tough enough to take the arrows from buyers and I'm struggling. And now it feels like I'm being pushed under by management because there are managers out there that are childish and then just can't come to you and say, hey, by the way, you know, this isn't working out. It's time for you to find a new job or a new role somewhere else. I mean, that would be easy. But there's, there are some horrible people out there that take pleasure in, in hurting people's feelings and, and purposely messing with them. Sometimes outside vendors are allowed to treat employees poorly. And this doesn't seem like it should happen, but you know there are times where you deal with outside vendors that are complete scumbags or scumbagettes. It could be a dude or a chick. And you know, you don't the, the ownership, the management doesn't want to believe that the, the outside vendor is a scumbag for whatever reason. And next thing you know, outside vendors treating all sorts of people poorly. And, it, and then just so you know, some of these things are going to combine and they're going to be hybrids. So just because I put it into one category doesn't mean it's going to be just here permanently. It could be that outside uh, forces are causing new managers to try to prove their skill. So new managers come in and they got to like, hey, I got to put the Rudy Poo smack down. And if you don't know this, this is something that happens to all new managers. Well, most, most new managers. Most new managers are given this task of finding an individual inside of the organization and firing them because it's like a sacrifice to the business gods. It sounds wacky. It sounds crazy, but it's not uncommon for an ownership group or an upper management team to come to a new manager and say, hey, new manager, you need to lose some dead weight on the team and you need to fire them. You need to fire the dead weight. And it could be that the person that is going to be fired is dead weight or they're dead weight to the team because they're the most vocal. They're the most outspoken. And then because of that, old managers are trying to keep their job and appease the new manager and new owners. So this, what, what you don't see on the inside of a management team is sometimes it's a fight for your own life. It's a fight for your own position. It's a fight for your own job. And, you know, if you rock the boat, now you're out of role. And, you know, you've worked years, time, energy, effort, risk, money, reputation, put all those things towards it. And, you know, you got outside forces saying, if you don't do this and you don't get in line, you're going to get let go. Number two on this list, management or ownership pushes for the wrong things to be done. You know, there used to be standards and norms at your organization. You know, there, there used to be ethics. There used to be strong beliefs of doing the right thing, doing the right thing for the client, doing the right thing for the buyer. But remember, if we go to the four reasons why companies typically become topic, toxic, <laughs> toxic over time, is weak profits, 
old management and new management. Old management is fired, new management management is brought in. The company is being prepped to be sold to private equity or to be traded or whatever it's done, and bad professional sells advice or business advice. So all the standards and the norms are no longer followed. Like, you know, um, companies used to act one way, and then that was the way that you treated people, and it was amazing, it was fantastic. And then next thing you know, no, that's not the way it is anymore. You know, it's like uh, everything, the only thing that matters is the money. It's uh, everything revolves around the money conversation. What's it, where are profits at? Well, we're not doing that because it's the wrong thing to do because it's not profitable. And so uh, it, it makes it very tough to be out there sometimes to sell, knowing that if things go sideways, you don't have a net to fall back on. Because, you know, you, when you make a promise to a buyer, it's face to face. It's belly to belly. It's over the internet. It's over the phone. It's over Zoom. It's over Skype. It's over Microsoft Teams. But somehow you're making a promise to somebody saying, I'm going to take care of you because their butt is on the line. Especially in business to business sales, like when when you make a promise to somebody and say, "Hey, we're going to take care of you," they're going to their team, their management, and saying, "Hey, this person's going to do good. We've vetted them, and now my reputation's at stake." And so, when companies push for the wrong thing to be done, now it's a liability. Whereas before, it was like fantastic. Hey, I know that you're going to get taken care of. Everything's going to be good. Now it's like, no, we're not. We're not taking care of it. We're not doing it because profits. And you know. It, it, the disparity becomes like, hey, when I remember coming on board, that's not how it was. Yeah, things have changed. That's usually the conversation. Things have changed. New management brings in their squad. I've, I've seen this happen in my own lifetime, multiple times, multiple organizations, where new managers bring in their team. It's their team. And it's very evident it's their team. Because those managers are loyal to the new GM, the new manager, and uh, they toe the line. You know, they, sometimes they're not very nice people. And especially, the, I, I have a friend that says, like, if the if the head of the fish is rotted, the rest of the body's rotted. So if a company brings in poor management at the very top, like a GM, like an operations manager, chances are pretty good the rest of the team's going to suck. Not everybody, but a good majority. Once again, not a super negative person, but I'm going to tell you the truth of things that I've seen, things that I've lived through, and things that friends have lived through. And then because of that, the management is opportunistic. The management is toxic. So since they have a toxic environment, guess what? It gets passed down to the employees. It gets passed down to the sales team. It gets passed down to, to the office divisions, all the divisions throughout a company. Number three. Management and ownership sour to salespeople and highly skilled staff. So there's always people on a team or an organization instead of a company, if it's a long-term company, that that uh, that know where everything is and how everything is. And they have a, a history of the company, of the organization. And so like sometimes when, when companies are taken over, they want to rewrite the history. They want to make sure that that, that information is no longer in the same place. And they don't realize that there's value to that knowledge. There's, there's supreme value to that knowledge. And so the long-term employees, they're ushered out. They know the lay of the land. They know where all the bodies are hidden. And that's part of the reason is because they're, they're now a liability because they know where everything is. And so there's times where management will try to push them out. Salespeople are called names and treated poorly. Like salespeople are crybabies, salespeople are prima donnas. Sometimes in in management meetings, specific salespeople are called out and, you know, games are played. 
And I want to I want to give you some professional advice. Like if you're watching inside of an organization and you see a salesperson get moved to three different roles in a short period of time, it's typically a bad sign. Okay? So Let's say that you have a salesperson from one division and they're like, hey, sales dude, we want to bring you over to this side. And then, all right, let's do it. I like it. And then like, it doesn't work out. And then they're like, okay, well, now that you moved, we're going to move you into a different role. And we're going to see what we could do to keep you in this role. And then they move the salesperson into another role. Boom. Problems happen. Can't get traction. Then into a third role. Third role is like there's the third death bounce is what I refer to it as. That if if you as a salesperson are moved into a short period of time into three different roles because they're not working out or because new people are being brought in, there's a large chance that the third bounce is going to be deadly. And I don't mean like physical deadly. I mean business deadly. Business deadly meaning you're going to have to find a new organization or company to work for. And this happens with managers too. You can watch managers bounce and do one bounce, two bounce, three bounces, you're out. Three strikes, you're out. And if you're not paying attention to what's going on, um, you know, you're, as an individual, when, when the management teams meet, there's times where they talk specifically about people and they say, hey, this sales dude or this sales chick or this employee, what's going on with them? And there could be some hidden agendas that you don't know about. There could be managers that you like to your face that they don't like you at all. That they, at the end of the day, uh, they don't say nice things about you. And you're like, I thought we were friends. And so there's people who are just flat out scumbags that pretend that they like you to your face. And they're very good at it. And they're very convincing. And the next thing you know, they don't. Okay. But so pay attention to the three bounce. The three bounces of death because it happens. I've seen this happen. I've seen it happen in probably three different organizations. And I saw it happen in one of the companies I was consulting with. And it, it sucks because you you could see a very good employee get pushed over because somebody's playing games, try a new role, try a new position, and then boom, get kicked in the in the groin because like there's people on the backside that don't want success to happen. They want to see somebody fail. And it doesn't seem like it makes sense. But remember, we are talking about a toxic environment. We're talking about toxic companies. So like some of the things that I share with you are not going to make sense unless you look at it from the lens of it being a toxic situation. Number four, management build teams. Management will build a team. If they don't, if they don't bring a squad with them, they'll build a team. And so it, it becomes like a, a, a adolescent game of my team versus your team. And it's, it, I, I have seen this. I've had people try to recruit me into this. I've had friends have issues with this. I've seen it for companies that I've consulted in that there's always the team builder. And it, it's usually, I'm going to say it, it's usually a scumbag manager that they come in and what they have to do is they need to build a moat around them. And they know they know deep down inside that they're a scumbag and they build this moat around them. And the moat is all of the people that are on their team to protect them to take the arrows. And so they're constantly causing fights and picking fights with other people to create a smokescreen for what's going on. And, and so if they're on a management role, the manager is out there causing all sorts of problems for other departments and other divisions. And at the same time, they have a bone to pick with a salesperson or salespeople, and they'll do everything they can to try to destroy them. They'll do everything they can to take that person down. 
And once again, this person may be very friendly to you, to your face, but behind the scenes, they're doing everything they can to destroy your career. And it sucks. It sucks. And so it comes down sometimes that they're like, you have to pick a side. You got to pick a team. And the second that I I see this going on anywhere, I'm like, I'm completely turned off by it. I'm like, I'm not going to play this game. I'm not going to do it. I, I got hired for a consulting role and there was a couple of consultants in the gig and one of the consultants was playing this and I gracefully, you know, I gave the money back. I said, I'm not going to, I will not, it's tough enough for me to perform my role the way that I need to do, but I'm not going to do it with other people playing games. I won't. It's not worth my time. It's not worth my energy. It's not worth my effort. And so like there's points where for you and your career, you got to make decisions about what direction that you want to go. I can't tell you what to do. I can, I can give you the lay of the land and say, hey, here's all the things that happen on the backside. And if you were suspicious and you're like, I thought that was happening, like sometimes when you go looking for red flags, you're going to find them. So you got to be careful with this information. I'm not saying this happens at all organizations. I'm saying it happens at some at some point in time. Okay. So like uh, the absolutes can get you in trouble if you're like, oh, you know what? This makes a ton of sense. And then you you think that somebody's building a team against you and you start acting against them when they're really not. So like, go, go look at it. And, you know, you don't have to believe everything that's going on. Trust, but verify. I think that was Ronald Reagan that used to say that. Okay. Sometimes uh, it's pick a side or get out. I, I shared with you on a consulting gig, I got out. I, I don't look at this stage of my life. I'm 45 today. I don't want to play games. I want to win. Right. I don't, I don't want to have to butt heads with people and try to prove a point and be like, like at this stage, I don't want that. If, if that's what somebody wants for me, I'm, I'm very clear. Like, I don't do this. I'm not interested. I, I want to come in. I want to kick butt. I want your team to win. I want your organization to win. But what I don't want to do is have to play the games. You like me or you don't like me. You, you know, you're in or you're out. Number five, management plays with the commission structure. <laughs> Just so you know, commission structures are always under attack. If, if there was a map like of risk of business, your your region of sales is always under attack. You're always under attack from other managers. You're always under attack from consultants. It's just the way that it is. Because when you take a look at a spreadsheet of money and where all the money is going, there's big giant pools. There's labor, there's marketing, there's cost of goods sold, and then there's salespeople. Like when you take a look at those four, like, you know, the management's like, how do we reduce cost of goods sold? Okay, we could change product lines. We can we can offset some of these things to have happen. You know, we can we can look at changing fixed cost to variable. Ah, salespeople, those guys are horrible. They're whiners, they're complainers, they make too much money. We need to reduce their their commission structures. And there are people out there that are very good at writing sales commission plans that uh, when you look at them, you're like, yeah, I'm going to make a ton of money. But at the end of the day, there's so many freaking loopholes. It's like a IRS code for for commissions, like for taxes. Because like when you look at you're like on a Wednesday on a full moon, when I stub my toe, I can write this thing off. Okay, there's there's managers and owners out there that are so good at Excel that you think that you're making money and you're not. And I I have heard of people, I have heard of people, you know, celebrating the fact that they're so good at writing commission structures that they can confuse salespeople and uh, not pay them what they think they're supposed to get paid. And so because of it, your money and your bonuses are never paid out. You think you're going to get paid one amount, it never happens. It never happens. 
there's always an exclusion. There's always a rule. There's always a reason why. And like, I have this rule. If you tell me you're going to pay me, pay me. I'm not going to play games. Pay me or I'm leaving. That's it. Pay me or I'm leaving. I'll, I'll find a different place to work. I'll find a new organization to, to consult with. You know, I'll, you fill out that list, whatever way you want to say it. But peace out, Girl Scout. You play with my money. <laughs> you think of Friday and you think of uh, Big Worm or Big Perm and Smoking. He's like, Smoky, playing with my, uh, with my money is like playing with my emotions. Okay. It's the same thing with sales. When, when management or ownership starts playing with money, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to go down this path. I'm not going to play this game. You know, I, I had an organization that had hired me to do some training. And for whatever reason, they just didn't want to pay me. Like for a long amount of time. They just, they're like, hmm, didn't want to pay me. So I changed up my contract. I changed up the ways that I operate. I changed up the things that I do. Won't ever happen again. But, you know, it was it was frustrating. And so John Carlton is a famous copywriter. And I borrow from copywriting. I borrow from every other different trade that I can to be better at sales. And in his world, he says, if you're a copywriter and you haven't been ripped off, you're not a real copywriter. And I'm going to say, like, in consulting, if you haven't been ripped off, you're not a real copywriter. Uh, consultant. If you're a salesperson, you haven't been ripped off. You haven't lived in the world of sales. It sucks. It is a horrible feeling. I've had money ripped out literally from underneath me for stuff that I did that was fantastic for things that I've done that I don't think anybody else could do uh, in the space that I was working in the organization that I was in. And, you know, the, the reason was, was somebody got to to push me down and say, I have control over you and I'm not going to pay you. That's really what it came down to. That was the game. They, deep down, they knew that I kicked butt. They knew that I won. They knew that I was the best at what I did. But for them, it was a control issue. They got to say, I got to tell Scott what to do. Ha ha ha. I got to tell Scott what to do. So, uh, you know, playing, paying with money is a real problem that you face in these five scenarios. So I'm going to recap them for you, okay? So management or ownership is abusive to employees. Management or ownership pushes for the wrong thing to be done. They lose their ethical or moral compass. Management or ownership sour to people uh, that are long-term and highly skilled, so they get rid of them. Management builds teams. Management plays with commission structures. So you're like, Scott, I get it. (laughs) There is some negativity in the world of business and the world of sales. So what's the flip side? What are things that could be done? Now, the good news for you is there are things to be, that could be done. And in and, and a lot of instances, even though you feel like you're stuck, you're not stuck. You know, uh, I've had conversations with people who left organizations at the height of their career, and they were in panic when they left. They didn't know what they were going to do. They didn't know where they were going to go. They didn't know how things were going to work out, but they, they made a better life. And so I'm going to highly encourage you. There always is a better life out there, you know. Uh, I heard Tony Robbins say, you should be pissed off. This is roughly what he said. You should be pissed off that somebody's out there earning more money than you, doing better than you with less work. And I think about that. You know, like right now, uh, I'm here in Sacramento. I'm I'm wishing I was out on Oahu. I'm wishing that I was working from the beach today. And so, like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's a process. It's a plan. It's a thing that's in motion, that's been in motion. But, like, I think about that, and I'm like, there's somebody right now that's in a condo overlooking all of Moana Beach Park in Honolulu, uh, Waikiki downtown area, you know, and, and you know, they got this this fantastic spread and they're living the life that they want to live. And I'm like, you, for me, here's the perfect thing. Having two condos in the same building. 
And I saw Eben Pagan do this. And I want to say it was like 2007, 2008. I mean, it was like, it was before the, the, the recorrection in 2008, 2009. And he was shooting a video. And he's like, all right, well, I'm going to go from my condo here and we're going to go downstairs or down the hall and we're going to go to my office. And the guy, Eben Pagan, brilliant dude, had uh, an office like on in the same building. But like when he went to work, he's like, I'm just going to walk down the hall or I'm going to go down the elevator. I'm going to go to my office. I'm thinking like, that's fantastic. That's the coolest thing ever. You know, that your office is in the same building, but, you know, you you go and you take a look differently. And the reason I bring this up is, there is always a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. You know, on one side of the rainbow, it's an absolute dumpster fire. And on the other side of the rainbow, it is a pot of gold. So you got to have a game plan. You got to prep for this. And I came up with uh, five things that you could do to prep. And so some of them may like seem kind of wacky to you. But once you hear them out, like they're going to make total sense. So number one, create your own authority site and let your buyers and vendors know that you have it. So like I have a couple of different websites. I've got like Scott Bell Consultant that redirects into how to sell.live. I've got scottsilvenbell.com. I've got fourhourconsult.com. I mean, I've got I've got a bunch of different things that redirect that you can find me. I've got 2600 YouTube videos, so it's not hard to find me. Like you can Google Scott Silvan Bell and you could come up with content, right? And uh, I've made a decision to be more prolific with it and write articles more uh, frequently. And the reason, the reason for that is it makes it easier for me to be found. You're, you're create your own content. Okay. It could be a video and video is so much easier now today than it was five years ago. The computers now are so much faster and they're meant for video editing. Like, uh, you have no idea in 2008, 2009, when I first started doing stuff with YouTube, if I shot a minute of video, it took five minutes for that minute to render. And so like, I've got a brand new laptop that I just picked up. It's a Dell. It's a 13-inch, it's a 7306 Inspiron, you know, I was going to get the XPS, it doesn't matter. Anyway, this thing renders at like 20 seconds per minute. So a five-minute video is going to take about an, a minute and 20 seconds for the thing to render. A minute and 40, a minute and 40. Whereas a five-minute video in 2008 or 2009 took 25 minutes for me to render. So you have the ability to build out content so much faster today than you did five years ago and way faster than you did 10 years ago. And you could build a website in a couple of hours on something like Wix. You could build a WordPress site. You could have somebody build a site for you on Fiverr. It costs you like two or 300 bucks, okay? But build out your own authority site and blog and YouTube channel and talk about your industry and your product and your services. But be careful about what time you do this on, because if you talk about it on company time and the company's paying you here in the United States, you may be having to pay the piper and that's really their content. So check with an attorney. I'm not giving you legal advice, but know that if you are creating content on your own laptop, on your own time, you own it. Okay. Just like think through that. So, you know, shooting videos and talking about products and services, just be careful about libel and slander. Like, you know, you can give a review and say, here's what I like and here's what I don't like. That's always the best way to do it, okay? Constantly, number two, constantly evolve your skills so you can sell anything. So, like, I love reading. I love reading. Like, right now, I've been on a kick for licensing, intellectual property licensing. That, that's been a thing in making. So, like, I'm constantly evolving my skills. So, I'm going to challenge you to do the same thing. Look for different industries to, to sell in. Like, you don't have to be stuck in your industry. You don't have to be a one-hit wonder. You're a salesperson. You're a closer. Gosh, dang it. Go out there and find something else to sell and make some deals happen. Number three, 
build your resume and keep one handy. I, I know this sounds old school, but there's something good to have a resume that like, you know, there's going to be a meeting that you're sitting in and you're like, I'm done. I'm not doing this. I'm not playing this game. I, I see the writing on the wall. I've listened to episodes of the How to Sell show. I've gotten some hints from Scott. He seems like a cool dude. Uh, I'm not playing this game. I'm, I'm going to move on. Um, and, you know, there's times where you're wrong. I've been wrong in instances, and I look at teams, and I think things are going on. This is why you got to have a good friend or a relationship that somebody can ground you and say, you're, you're making stuff up. Because hands up in the air, you can't see me. I'm recording this episode. I'm raising my hand. And I've made stuff up in my mind. Because sometimes the more that you talk to yourself, the more dangerous you are. That's why you got to talk it out with a friend, an associate, a trusted member of your family, a clergy member, a mentor, a coach, somebody. Okay? Keep, keep your resume handy. Number four, foster relationships with vendors as well as management from other organizations. So there's been times in my career that I've been stuck and I've reached out to vendors and said, hey, I'm on the market. Who do you know? And they pointed me to like, hey, call this organization, talk to this guy, talk to this woman. Um, and, and there's been some of them that say, I, if, if you need a reference, I'll reference you. And some of them say, I can't give you a reference because of positions and, and agreements that I have with organizations right now. But if, if, you, if you want, you could say that you've got my, the name from me. Okay. So be aware that uh, vendors of whatever you offer are always a good role because they know who the good companies are and they know the bad companies and they can see the writing on the wall if they've been in the industry long enough. They can pick up on this stuff too. And number five, look, here's the thing. If things are going bad, be willing to leave. And sometimes you need to recreate your life. Uh, I've had to do it a couple of times in my life. Hasn't always been comfortable, but you know, at the end of the day, it's what gets done. I want to remind you of something. Two things. Uh, I was just having a conversation with a good friend about this the other day, okay? Uh, if you're a closer, you're the prize. I got this saying from Tom Vizzini. Tom Vizzini is a cool dude when it comes to anchoring. This is the man. But when you're a closer, you're the prize. You know, hands down, in the world of sales, 20% of salespeople can close deals, 80% can't. There's uh, When you do the 80-20 rule and you 80-20 it out a bunch of times, you're going to find that the top... 0.8% of salespeople, like those, those are the performers. And then there's about 20% of people in the world of sales that, that do most of the deals. And then I have the saying is someone, someone somewhere else will love you. Like the first time you've ever been in a relationship and then you break up and you're like, nobody's ever going to love me again. Uh, like it happened to me. I'm going to raise my hand and say, like, I've, I've had this issue. And then you realize you fall in love again and you're like, wow, somebody was going to love me somewhere else. You know, I'm, I'm imperfect, but they think I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread or they think that I'm the greatest thing since Hawaiian pokey. And uh, you fall in love again. And the same thing's true about business life. The same de- thing is definitely true about business life, that someone's going to love you somewhere else. And the traits that drove people insane at the last organization, they're going to love. It, it's funny I look around and I think of some of the friends that have gone to different organizations that were on hit lists inside of management teams and weren't liked where they were in the organization that they were after conversations are loved by the people that they work with now. Okay. So sometimes it's a personality thing. And so like, I I have this belief, if you're working for an organization, you should be interviewing like every quarter. You should be looking at other roles and other opportunities every, every, uh, frequently. It doesn't mean you have to take them. And I, 
there's times where you got to be very careful about this. Once again, Scott Sylvan Bell is not giving you legal advice, just giving you an idea. Um, and the reason I say this is because when, when companies hire new people, they, they are the shiny thing. And if you're in demand, you get to make demands. And so like, you don't go crazy with this. Like there's three things that, that I would look for. Like one of them, vacation time. <laughs> like I'm going to go to Hawaii a lot. You just got to know that. Okay. Number two, time's worked, right? That could be, that could be something or step up bonus on, on uh, step up basis on bonuses. Like there's, if somebody comes to you and says, Hey, I want you to come work for my organization. Like you get to, it's like a genie. You get to make three wishes. Here's my three wishes. And you may not get all of them, but you may get two of them and you may get one of them and it's better than where you were. And so, uh, I think frequently of a conversation that I have with a friend, Paul Stoddard and Paul, uh, Paul's a beast guys, brilliant what he does, but like five or seven years ago, somewhere around in there, he said, Scott, millennials have this right. They'll work for an organization for two years. And then they'll go look for someone else to work because they're, they're the new shiny object. They're going to get all the attention. And then they're able to make more money. They're able to get more things because they're in a higher demand. And he goes, it used to be, it used to be, you know, when our parents were around, you would work for an organization for 40 years and it just doesn't work that way anymore. And if you think about this, there's probably people who've entered into your organization that they're the new shiny thing. So they get the new things, they get the new demands. And you're like, I've been here for a while. Why am I getting treated like this? It's because you're the old thing. And it could be that that's a sign of a toxic relationship, or it could be that you're not just used to asking for getting, asking for what you want. And so you're a salesperson, you're a closer, you should be asking for what you want. You got to rattle the cage every once in a while. You got to go and say like, look, where's my trophy? And trophy could be money. It could be a pat on the back. It could be like an attaboy. It's not always a bonus, but you're like, look at what I'm doing. Look at what I'm bringing to the table, right? So I, I have a hashtag. Scott Bell is awesome. Hashtag Scott Bell is awesome. So it's funny. I was on a, a team meeting with an organization that I was in the other day and they're like, Scott, you did good. And I'm like, everybody put in the Slack channel, hashtag Scott Bell is awesome. And so somebody reached out to me afterwards and they go, why do you do that? And I said, because it's a, it's a reminder. It's a place marker that people get to see that I did something. And if there's a whole bunch of those, it makes me valuable on a team. So like, you know, I've trained people around me to, to do the hashtag Scott Bell is awesome thing. And so like, if I go to an organization and they're like, Hey, train my team. I'm like, all right, so here's what you do. Whenever something cool happens, I want you to write on your paperwork, hashtag Scott Bell is awesome. Or I want you to put in the Slack channel, or I want you to drop it in the email. So that like people are constantly seeing like, this is an awesome thing. And I just train them to do it. You know, first couple of events, here's what to expect. All right. So now that we're done talking, what is your hashtag Scott Bell is awesome thing that we're going to talk about. And you, you can do whatever you want. If you do hashtag Scott Bell is awesome, then like I get their credit and, and you're not. So put your name in there. Like Bob Smith is awesome. <laughs> you know, put some information in there, but realize there are times where companies go toxic and you are in a bad sales environment and it ends up not working to your favor. So go, go down this path, right? Take, just take a look at the list, you know, create your own authority site and let buyers and vendors know where to find you. Where legal. Okay. And remember libel laws and when you're creating content and what time you're creating content and what you're using, uh, constantly evolve your skills so you can sell anything. So I gave you the example that I'm studying uh, deal making, and I've got a couple of books right now on licensing. I'm always reading books on negotiating. 
you know, that's, that's a given. I've got like by my front door, I think I have 80 books that are constantly in a rotation that I could be reading anything at any given time. And so questions have been a really big deal for me lately. Interviewing people have been a really big deal for me lately. Um, looking at how private equity works and fund management works, you know, crypto has been interesting for me, but be willing to, to learn so you can sell anything, build your resume so you can keep on in handy, foster relationships with vendors and managers from other organizations and be willing to leave when things go bad and say, peace out, Girl Scout. I'm done. Uh, but here's the last thing about number five is, you know, I'm very good at burning bridges. <laughs> There's the, the old thing that we're, you know, the Spanish conquistadors would burn their ships and say, we're here and, you know, you're not going to leave. I've made the mistakes of burning bridges in my lifetime. And sometimes people have been very eloquent and allowed me to uh, re-engage conversations. And sometimes it's been a detriment. So I would just remind you, number five, be careful on the way out. If the relationship's done and you've got no plans and like it's, it's, uh, scorch and burn. All right, we'll do what you got to do. But if at all possible, preserve that relationship. So, uh, I believe in you. I think that you are an amazing salesperson for checking out this episode of the how to sell show. And you know, there are signs of toxic relationships. Somebody will love you somewhere else. And if you are a closer, you are the prize. Thanks for checking out this episode of the How to Sell Show. You can join the party at howtosell.live to get the show notes, links, updates on new episodes, recordings of previous episodes, articles, as well as videos. You may not know this sales secret, but sharing this episode with a friend will bring you good luck. See you soon. Mahalo. Mahalo.